Thank you so much, dear Rukmini, for opening up with some prayers. Thank you so much. What an honor to be here with you. Yeah, this is um, such a delight to have you back for our second talk of the Heart of the Sacred Feminine series. We had such a wonderful response to our first one. And, um, you know, a lot of people asked wonderful questions and had great insights and gems that they gathered. So we're going to continue these conversations with Rukmini Devi Dasi. And uh, yeah, just see what else, you know, what other things we can uncover together and other inspirations we might be able to share with you all on your own spiritual journeys. So I do hope that, um, you know, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the first one, um, maybe have a, take a moment and go back. You can find that on all of the stations where this is being posted, both as a podcast and as a video on YouTube. So um, the first one, we really kind of opened up the conversation and talked about what is bhakti, um, what is the role of the goddess and the sacred feminine in bhakti yoga, and then just some of the basic tenets that I think are pretty relevant to most spiritual practices that a lot of people found resonant. So you can have a listen back to that. Um, today's talk is called The Delightful Practice, Walking the Path of Bhakti. And we're going to talk a little more in detail about the specific practices that are part of the spiritual tradition. And we hope that it will help you in whatever spiritual path you're following, um, whether it's a bhakti path or not. I think a lot of these tips can be used universally. So I'd like to welcome back Rukmini Devi Dasi and share a little bit of her background with you for those of you who might not have listened to the first talk or who might not be familiar with her work. So Rukmini is the founder of the Urban Devi Collective based out of the Bhakti Center in New York City. She is a member of the Board of Trustees of the Bhakti Vedanta College in Belgium and Sabha, a 30-person international committee that advises the governing body of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Rukmini has been traversing the path of bhakti for most of her life, living in India, Canada, and the United States as one of the first disciples of bhakti, bhakti, bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada, who first brought the path of bhakti to the West in 1965. She is featured in the film Women of Bhakti. She writes, teaches, leads workshops, and retreats internationally, and is the mother of a very talented 
Kirtan artist who I would recommend all of you check out and listen to named Gauravani. And um, she also leads Vaishnav community discussions and um, a Christian dialogue and Vaishnava Muslim dialogue each year. So she really loves the, um, has a really wonderful respect and understanding of many different religions and cultures around the world. She sees the world animated by spirit and practices an eco-bhakti, seeing truth and beauty in nature and in the world as kindred spirits. So welcome back, Rukmini. Thank you so much. Such an honor to be with you. You know, so much gets churned in conversation. So I'm really happy to be with, um, with you and, and share this time. Thank you. Oh, of course. It's my really my pleasure. And yeah, I think you're like you said, there's been a lot of, I think, churning that happened in the first discussion. And um, to start us off, I, I, I wanted to um, talk about a friend of mine who has been a longtime yoga practitioner. Uh, she is she listened to the first talk and she was so inspired by everything you had to say about spirituality and this path. Um, she's in a place in her life right now where she's really aching for a more spiritual way of living. Um, and I think like a lot of people, there's, there's a lot of challenges that she's finding. She has two children, she works full time. Um, and so she was just asking me questions about how to, you know, how, how can she engage in, in this practice? And specifically, she asked me about community. Um, you know, where, where are these people? You know, where do I find them? And, you know, I thought it was so interesting because, I think for many of us, women in particular, community is often an entryway for spiritual experience. You know, I know a lot of women seek out yoga classes, retreats, and group experiences where they can kind of show a little bit more of their vulnerable side and find in that collective experience um, community and safety and that that uh, cocoon or um, sanctuary where they can then explore these deeper practices. So I thought perhaps you could start us off, uh, you know, talking a little bit about the role of community in bhakti yoga and, um, you know, maybe sharing with the listeners some resources and communities where they might be able to find this support. Wonderful. Thank you for a great question. Yeah, community is, um, is so sacred and so important and you know, we are social beings, um, even spiritually, according to the path of bhakti, we're spiritual beings. And I love that Dr. Martin Luther King used this term, the sacred, beloved community, the beloved community. So yeah, you know, our global village has become so impersonal and big, and sometimes we, we can lose our, our place um, in that big global, you know, internet kind of not so much family, but there are resources. Um, we have an international Urban Davy community. You can look at urbandavy.com or Rukmini Walker at Facebook. And um, in those forums, we share our poetry, musings, realizations, art. And then when it's not, when we're not in the midst of a COVID pandemic, we do have retreats as well. Um, so you're so welcome to join us. And, um, you know, of course, now there's also a daily um, uh, class from Bhakti Center that um, comes over Zoom. And I think, uh, Ashley, you're going to be sharing that link. So every morning at 7.15, there's a Bhakti Center class and discussion in Sriman Bhagavatam. 
and uh, it was beautiful this morning. I, I, I gave that class at different speakers every day, but this morning there was such a lovely group of women participating and sharing their, their uh, feedback and their realizations. So it's a beautiful experience. And then there's wisdom of the sages, which happens every day, uh, different times according to where you are in the world, in the country. Um, so I think small daily deposits just like you would put a deposit of money into the bank. So those daily deposits of hope-giving um, inspiration are so um, enchanting, illuminating, and uplifting to our hearts. So that's really important that we do that each day. And also at the same time, be gentle with yourself. You know, um, you know we're, we're both imperfect living beings and we're also the sacred living beings. So be gentle on the path and take step-by-step step gradually. And um, we're just meant to reciprocate love, to give and receive love as, as these individual eternal spiritual beings and to share that in sacred community. And I think it's important to remember that whatever gifts I have are given to me by God, whatever I give back, um, in community is my gift to God and to community. So those gifts are meant to be received and also shared, um, you know, horizontally and vertically um, to give back um, as an act of gratitude in the world and, and to God by whatever name. So, yeah, a few thoughts. Yeah, and I I love this I, the the image of the daily deposits because it's it's true. I mean, I know for myself, um, you know, I, I go I've gone through dry spells, but whenever I'm really watering those seeds daily, and it it can be small things, but those those drops in the bucket they really do add up. And you know, um, you mentioned that the that the class from the Bhakti Center is early in the morning. And I know often wisdom of the sages, they record early in the morning. So, you know, I think starting your day ideally with those drops in your well, you know, so that that way you're filled with something transcendental that you can then carry. And like you said, share horizontally and vertically, um, you know, that, that that will carry you a far ways if you can just, find, you know, dig in and find that consistency. Um, so thank you for, thank you for sharing those resources. And I'll be sure to post those uh, okay. in, in the description so that people can find them. And, you know, it's so important that, uh, you know, in the early morning, it's a very sacred time in, in India, it's called Brahma Mahurta, the time before sunrise. If you can try to get to sleep early, get your little ones tucked in early, if you have little ones, and before the whole world is, is running around, before I'm running around, you know, um, to have that sacred time to, to um, when it's still dark even, to light a candle, to light some incense, and to, to have that sacred time for, for deep reflection is so, so important before charging on a, a, out on all the demands of the day. And, you know, I was also thinking, I was reminded, um, you know how flowers bloom? I know you're an herbalist and, and plants are so important to you, but you know how, have you ever watched that slow motion photography? Is it called Carillion photography? Where you can see the flower opening a little bit, but then it closes again a little bit, and then it opens a little more, and then it closes. And so it's not just charging out, you know, it's 
it's opening, but then it's reflecting back and then opening a little more and then reflecting back. So I think that's a great image for how to um, how to grow spiritually. How this is how nature grows, right? Yeah. So that's really important, I think. Also, having time for personal reflection and then to share um, on uh, share the gifts of that reflection. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how might you recommend that? So we've given some resources for community groups, uh, but just, you know, thinking about my friend and, you know, she works full time, she wakes up early and then she, you know, takes public transport into DC to work um, and then takes public transport home. So, you know, she's, her, her days are pretty full. So what are some, you know, maybe some bite-sized practices like that, um, you know, that little kind of pulsation of the opening and closing, might you recommend for someone who's in that position or who's just maybe getting started with these practices? Yeah, so uh, that is so key to try to get to sleep early, tuck, tuck everyone in early, get the whole tribe to get in that in the um, routine of going to sleep early, because those early morning hours are so precious. And then Chanting on beads. I, for, before the little ones get up, I wanted to show you my personal set of beads. Um, these are Tulsi beads. Tulsi's a goddess in the form of a plant. You can find Tulsi beads online. You can call it Tulsi chanting beads or Tulsi japa, J-A-P-A beads. We keep them in a little bag like this to keep them clean. So to have that sacred private time yourself before the little ones come up and to quietly that contemplation of chanting the sacred names of God on each bead. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare. And that mantra, which means mind, mind deliverance, it's just composed of the names of the sacred masculine and sacred feminine. It's so beautiful. So, and then regarding the kids, um, I think it's so beautiful to teach them the joy of singing, because this mantra, I just showed you japa, but it's also sung in kirtan. So you mentioned my son, Gauravani. There, there's beautiful kirtans you can find online by the beautiful, I would call her a feminine goddess, Janavi Harrison. And um, play them at home and learn to sing them with your kids and dance with your kids. And, and this is such a joyous beginning of a bhakti practice at home. You know, sh show them how much you love them and show much how, the, how much Krishna loves them. And I, I was thinking how it says in the Psalms, um, you know, praise the Lord with loud cymbals and drums. So, you know, dance and bang some pots and, and just celebrate. Uh, you know, this is a beautiful practice that can, uh, kids can, it's so accessible for little ones, you know. And then reading and telling stories, acting out stories, you know, make it fun and, and make it um, accessible to them. Child stories of child saints on the path of bhakti, you know, talking animals and character building examples of stories to share, how to be kind, you know, how to be, how to share. There's so many lovely children's books on, on sites like krishna.com and so many others. You know, I think there's so many silly books for kids that really teach them nothing. But then they're also um, character building 
bios of great women and great men, you know, and for children, but also big, we're so-called big adults. We also need role models um, to be a beacon of light in the sky of our lives. And role models from so many cultures, from so many centuries, um, search them out and share them with your little ones and uh, teach them to give and help feed homeless people or do something to help someone less fortunate. You know, when we had our stores, we always used to pass out cookies at Christmas. We always had little ginger candy in a basket by the register that was offered to Krishna. I'll talk about that also. Food offered to Krishna. Um, but we always shared that. And we always had a little girl who would come and her mother was teaching her so beautifully to give and to share. And she grew up to be a beautiful social activist. And she used to stand in the door of our store and pass out cookies in a very gracious way. And people were always so charmed by that. So yeah, this idea of um, make a sacred altar space with your children and get them involved. Uh, make it their own, make it your own, make it beautiful. Light candles in the morning and decorate it with flowers and teach them how to offer incense and or a flower or a little lamp um, every day if you can. And then you can put on that altar whatever is sacred and precious to you, beautiful pictures of Krishna and Radha or any form of divinity that inspires you. Make that sacred space is very, very important. And it's so, it will make such a deep impression um, in the hearts of your children. They'll carry the, that with them for, for their whole lives. That will always be with them. That sacred, in Sanskrit, it's called sanskara, that impression. It's like a deep groove in the consciousness that they'll carry with them always. Um, that sacred morning time, you know? And then, uh, yeah, I wanted to share this other very sacred, important bhakti practices is to cook vegetarian food. So no fish, no meat, no eggs, and then put it on a special plate. Cook something that you and your family love, put it on a special plate, and then in simple devotion, offer it back to the one who, who gave it, you know? And explain to your kids, we're doing this out of gratitude because um, we came here with nothing, and now in gratitude, we offer it back to the one who gave to us. And then while offering, you can ask one of your kids to ring a bell and you can um, call the Lord with that bell and then offer it by chanting this Hare Krishna mantra. And you can also teach them to repeat that sacred mantra. And then um, in humility, Krishna will be pleased to accept that, that humble offering. Um, yeah. And then after you take it off the altar, give the Lord a little time to eat, right? And then after you take it off the altar, then it's considered blessed. It's called prashad or mercy. So then it's sacred food and it benefits anyone who tastes it. Take some prashadam cookies or whatever, ginger candy or anything, put it on your desk at work and um, have your kids share it at school and and this is all, um, this is, these are all practices of bhakti. And when someone receives that kind of mercy or blessing, there's a Sanskrit uh, phrase called agyata sukriti, which means unknowing um, spiritual progress just by tasting that sacred food or smelling a sacred flower. Um, yeah, share mm -hmm. it in your neighborhood. 
This is, these are important practices of bhakti. So simple, you know. And I think it's, it's so beautiful that singing, dancing, stories, feasting on sacred food, this is, this is all the joyful um, practice of bhakti. And it's so easy that a little child can do it. And so sometimes people don't even take it seriously, that it's so easy. It can't really transform my heart, right? Um, and even sometimes you can see a dog will be dancing in the kirtan, which is so <laughs> beautiful, right? And, um, you know, sometimes it's said that the practice of bhakti is like homeopathic medicine, that it's so simple. You think, well, how could this be healing? my malady it's just a little sugar tablet right but it's so simple it's not taken seriously but it is transforming the heart through that mood of simple devotion um, yeah moving the heart to love i love that that's yeah there's um you know when you're when you're speaking all of this i mean this really leads just to, you know, the, the title of our talk, the delightful practice. And so that was a very intentional title because I think for many of us, we think that our, our spiritual practices are something that are like obligatory or, you know, they're going to be challenging and cumbersome and, you know, going to take too much time. But on this feminine path of bhakti, you know, we really have this opportunity to shift the narrative instead of thinking of these as things that we have to do as things that we are blessed to do and things that can not only um, create sort of a culture of gratitude in our home, but also can create a, a culture of gratitude in our, in our own hearts and in the way that we engage with our spiritual life. Um, so maybe you could talk a little bit about this idea of delight and delightful practice and, and the mood and, and how can we adopt these practices in a way that will truly delight our spirit? Beautiful. Thank you so much. You know, there are two ways to, to live our life, uh, our lives. Um, one way is that nothing is a miracle. And one other attitude is that everything is a miracle. So that pause that to pause, to honor that sense of wonder, that sense of delight. And um, this is bhakti. This is, these are the pauses to recognize the gifts that are coming to me at every moment. That I, if I'm charging around without that consciousness, without, um, without noticing, we have to notice more. That everything is a miracle. Every moment is another miracle. Even a little bug crawling in my garden is another miracle, you know? So um, this daily cultivation of this uh, delightful practice of bhakti, as you're calling it, it's, it's, um, it's like little drops of water wearing away the stone um, or the stone heart. So we can live our lives um, almost in a robotic way or almost as victims. Oh, now I have to do this. Now I have to do this. Now I have to do this. Oh, now I have to get my kids. All oh, those kids, ah, driving me crazy, you know? Or, you know, think of them as, as sacred emissaries. Um, you know, you are, if you have kids, you are building the future. You're cultivating the future. And these little sacred angels going off into the future that we'll never see. So this, this is, um, this is delightful. Um, it's a dance of love. Um, it's a dance of loving reciprocation between ourselves and that all-loving all source of ourselves. And, and I love the image that at the, at the center of all existence is this love affair. 
between the sacred feminine and sacred masculine, Radha and Krishna. And that, you know, just like kids are born from their parents' love, um, we're born from that love. And we're meant to reciprocate that love. They give, we give back. It's like a dance. It's like the rhythm and the harmony of a dance. It's such a beautiful, beautiful thing to be part of that uh, sacred dance of love, dancing in harmony, dancing in reciprocation, in a mood of gratefulness, humility, simplicity, and to, to give and to receive in loving service. Um, it's so beautiful. Yeah, and I, I, I love the idea of the dance and this reciprocation because, you know, I grew up Catholic and it really felt like a one-way street, you know, it was, a, you know, you do your rosary, you say your prayers, you do penance, um, and, you know, God is up there judging and making sure you're doing it all right, um, and, you know, as a child, I just, you know, the, the, I didn't understand the mercy, like, how did, how is this, where's the mercy, I don't, I don't see it, and in this path, you know, there's, there's such a, an interaction, this two-way street where, you know, uh, I wake up in the morning and I light the candles and the incense and I offer the food and I feel, um, you know, it, it, there's such beauty and smells and, you know, it's, it's creating such a lovely environment. I'm receiving so much benefit from that My you know, physiologically, my nervous system is calming My you know, everything is relaxing. Um, and then, you know, in the act of offering, um, now the food has been blessed and it's, it sounds, I remember in the beginning, when I first heard this idea of like, this food is, is blessed by God. I was like, well, is it real? You know, like it just, it was, it was hard for me, my mind to wrap around it. But once I started actually the practice of, of offering it and taking that time to, to say the mantra and then taking a step back and giving some time and space for, for the deities or, you know, God to, to receive that. And my, my girls now, it's so sweet because, you know, um, I'll ring the bell and say the chants and then I'll say, Gore Priminundi, and then they'll call from the other room, Haribo, <laughs> which means um, <laughs> dance, God, dance. Um, and it's, it's so it's so joyful, and they love you know yelling Hari Bowl, which is basically they're acknowledging God's gotten fed, God has received our our offering, um, and so now let's rejoice, let's celebrate that, and then we'll take the food back, and then you know bring it to the table, um, and That's so true. there is such a joyfulness in that feeling of it being this reciprocation and this dance between between us and God. Yeah, and you know what you're bringing up for me that's so beautiful, that's important to share about the path of bhakti, is that all of our senses are meant to be engaged in this practice. The sense of smell, the beautiful sight of a, of a light offered, you know, the sense of taste, the hearing, the, you know, the voice, all is so, rather than shutting down our senses and becoming like robots, it's, they're all meant to be engaged because they're all meant to be offered to, to the source of the senses. So bhakti is not about negating, but really about celebrating these gifts. And another thing I just wanted to mention, so it's almost like you said you grew up Catholic. So, you know, that holy sacrament that you receive in the church, this prashad is like holy sacrament, but at home every day, everything I eat should be holy sacrament. Wow. And another thing I, I wanted to say is that, you know, um, there is a theologian, Houston Smith, 
who made a beautiful statement that the mystics of any tradition are the impatient ones. And I think it's important to understand that ordinary traditional religion, you know, go to church, go to temple, go to mosque, can be very robotic in all traditions, even the traditions, or maybe even especially the traditions of India, you know, but, um, but the mystics of all traditions are the ones who are eager for it. And they want to pour their heart into it. And they want to do it with love. So when I think of the my favorite Catholics, like Aguirre Gardner, Ashley, you know, so think of Teresa of Lisieux, you know, she's a little girl, you know, little girl saint and seeing, seeing angels in her garden, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's important to, to honor the those sacred mystic voices of all traditions because they're there and it's maybe they don't use the term bhakti but it's bhakti by another name so this bhakti which means um giving back or reciprocation and love and devotion or loving service is the essence of all religion religion can be very dead it can be very um you know um calcified you know like but it's meant to be uh like a volcanic eruption in the heart. It's meant to be on fire. But then what happens is after some time, after the saints have passed on or whatever, it becomes cold and hard and calcified. So now it's our job to awaken that, that river of, 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 of fire of love in our hearts and in the hearts of others. That's, I think that's angelic work. That's what we can we can be messengers in this world um, doing that work and setting the world on fire with, uh, with love. Yeah. And as you're speaking, I was thinking about my grandmother who um, is a very devout Catholic, but a very mystic Catholic. And, you know, she, Jesus to her is like her best friend. She talks to Jesus and whispers and prays to him and loves him and has pictures of him just joyfully around her home. And mother Mary is is, um, you know, the way she speaks about them, it, it reminds me so much of, of, the, of the great devotees of this lineage in Bhakti, because there's this personalism, this idea that um, Jesus is close to me and Jesus loves me. And, and I just, you know, I've always loved that about my, I didn't understand it really until I started practicing Bhakti. And I was like, oh, it's the same thing. She is infatuated with Jesus and cries when she speaks about him. She has so much love in her heart. It, it's just, it's so moving. And, um, you know, I, I think that we can, we can be moved in that way, like you said, in, in any of these faith practices, if we have that fire under us. And, you know, what I didn't have growing up was practices at home. And now that I have these daily practices, I can teach my kids and that I can do, I can do daily. I don't have to, you know, I, I, I'd love to go to a temple and, and, and receive the community piece, but, but I can do that and, and stoke that fire on my own at home. And I think that's such a gift of, of this lineage. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, um, you know, we become, when we become sophisticated adults, we become so intellectual and, and in our heads and so over sophisticated. But uh, my teacher, um, Prabhupada, he would say bhakti is so simple that any, I love this phrase, any un simple unsophisticated person can understand it. So usually we use the, use the word sophisticated in a positive sense, but, you know, we become over-sophisticated, over-intellectual, and we lose that, that heart space, that sense of wonder. 
So if we can learn to balance, we may be very brilliant theologians or brilliant IT people or brilliant attorneys or teachers or whatever. But if we can keep that simplicity of the heart and um, approach with a, a simple gratitude and love, then uh, we will we will reap those rewards of that simplicity and and our head and our heart will be integrated. Yeah. And we can feel that in people, you know, it's like when you meet someone in your life who has that, you know, that, um, that devotion and that love, and it can be a child, it can be a middle-aged, it can be an elder person, you know, and, but it's, it, it's this universal feeling or mood that they carry. And, and yeah, and I, I love that. I love that, you know, we can see, we can, we can feel that and see that, um, but oh, we I feel, I feel that your grandmother, sorry, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, but we have to develop, you know, we have to have our own practices so we can even see those things. Right. To be able to, to shine back, to reflect that. And I, I almost feel like your grandmother planted a, a seed of devotion in your heart that, um, you know, not everybody has that. And we, we meet those people in, in our day. Um, as I said, this morning, I gave the class at Bhakti Center and I asked the uh, moderator of the class, um, I said, how are you today? And he said, I'm happy by choice. <laughs> so beautiful. And, you know, it reminds me when we had our store in, in the airport in Denver, Colorado, there was this really simple Baptist lady who was cleaning the bathrooms and the big executives used to come and sometimes ask her advice on their problems in their lives, you know, so they're making the big fat incomes and she was a simple lady. And, and when you would ask her, how are you? She would always say, I'm blessed today. I'm blessed. And she said it with, with so much conviction always that you felt that she was extending that blessing to you as well. And to me, that's bhakti. She would have never known the term bhakti, but that's bhakti. Yeah. Yeah. And the seed of devotion. I mean, it's, it's something that, uh, yeah, it's like we, it, it's such a, it's such a mystery in some ways. Like, how did we even get this? You know, how did this even come into uh, some of us might even ask the question, how am I even here listening to this, this podcast or this, you know, this talk, like, but there's, there's this seed that, um, I think, you know, maybe like your teacher said is, is sort of inherent in all of us. Um, yeah, what a gift it is that, you know, that we, we can water it and we can, we can cultivate it. And, yeah. you know, I think, um, you know, one thing that I'm so blessed that when I, my husband started practicing bhakti yoga in DC was like, uh, kind of, you said homeopathic, you know, he would come home with these things and he would teach me slowly over time. And so, you know, I started getting these little bite-sized pieces of the practice, um, which was good for me because I think at that moment I was pretty closed off to formal practices. I just was overwhelmed and burned out from having a family, running a business. I just was like, I can't take on anything new. <laughs> um, but it was this sort of small titration of him bringing this into the home um, that softened me over time. And now, you know, we are full-fledged practitioners. So I would have never guessed this three years ago. Um, so I think the the simplicity of the practices is I think one of the, one of those parts that make this so unique. So you know, maybe could you talk, you know, what are the core practices, you know, maybe that people can't take on right now, but what would be some of the, you know, what would be the, the, the main things that people could maybe start to look out for in the future 
um, of, of different ways they could deepen this practice. Can I just go back to what you said about seeds though, first of, of all, because um, it's such a beautiful image that, that, you know, like you can't teach a child to walk if they, if they didn't have that innate capacity to walk within them. So that capacity to love is innate within us. It's in an undeveloped or kind of embryonic state. And those seeds um, of bhakti are, are given, it's described that they're given by um, a combination of grace of, of God and, and some, some devotee on the path. So I'm feeling like perhaps your husband would brought home some little seeds and perhaps your grandmother, you know, gave you some little seeds, but those seeds that, so we're talking about bhakti, bhakti is, uh, love is a verb, right? So bhakti is a cultivation. Um, my teacher translated the word bhakti as devotional service. So it's an active cultivation, just like having a garden. Um, you know, you want to start with a, a, a seed, hopefully an heirloom seed that's been handed down, you know, that's very precious. And then you don't want to just throw it into some hard, rocky soil with tons of concrete in it from the last construction. You have to get some good, rich earth, which is the, um, you know, which is the foundational wisdom that comes from people who've come before us. And, you know, a, a garden has to have very careful boundaries so that no one's going to come in and trample that little seed. Sometimes we have to start a seed inside the house until it's a little bit bigger. So that those boundaries and um, the good, rich earth, and then the, um, you know, watching for weeds of desires that can be harmful, like a desire for pride or greed or ego or envy and you know, practices that can be harmful to spiritual consciousness. And, um, you know, and then the idea of that, that sunshine of uh, illumination of appropriate light from, from hearing from, from wisdom sources. And then the, you know, the blessing of the grace of rainfall. And then that quiet contemplation of, of resting and pause in the evening and the moonshine. Actually, there's a verse in Bhagavad Gita where Krishna says that the moon gives the taste of uh, the sweet taste of, in the vegetables. Isn't that something? Oh, I love and that. actually, that is beautiful. And I have this one god sister, she's very intellectual. And she asked our guru once, she said, Prabhupada, how is it that the moon gives the taste, the sweet taste of the vegetables? And Prabhupada said, such a childlike way, he said, why don't you ask him? That's <laughs> 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 so charming, you know? So yeah, you know, this, this bhakti is a cultivation. So these practices, I like the Im uh, image of a garden. So the practices are like a watering process, the daily chanting. Okay, so sometimes, you know, we're imperfect living beings. We're trying our best. Sometimes we miss, just like when you have a little plant, and you're going, okay, today I forgot to water it. But, you know, don't, I won't beat myself up over that. I'll try again. You know, just little, little drops of grace and gratitude to my own efforts. Also be gentle, being gentle with ourselves so that um, 
there are five practices actually that are considered most important. You asked me my, what are my favorites? And there are five that are so important on the path of bhakti and let me share those with you. So the first one is um, keeping friendship with holy people. You know, we all know that we have people in our lives who drag us down and we can kind of, you know, distance ourselves a little bit from those influences. So keeping some company of holy people, and sometimes that company is just by hearing, maybe even on a Zoom call or by reading something, uplifting some bio about some great personality. My husband and I have been listening to an audio book about Harriet Tubman, the great, um, you know, she, she worked for the Underground Railroad, bringing these slaves up from the South, from Maryland, where we live. And so, you know, inspiring bios about great people like that. This is Sadhu Sangha, by hearing or in person or however, you know. And the next one is chanting the holy name um, on beats, that Japa beats. So that mantra, maybe you can post that, the whole mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. So chanting on beats and keeping a certain number, you know, even if that number is just one, you know, sometimes we become over-enthusiastic and do too much. And then the next day I'm burnt out and beating myself up. No, just, you know, do one each day before charging out to your job or to before the kids are up. So that's very, very important. Um, hearing and reading from wisdom texts like Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, or tuning into the Bhakti Center class, wisdom of the sages, um, honoring the sacred form of the Lord, in pictures or in a deity form. You know, maybe you have a, a very beloved picture of, of Krishna and Radha, or even Jesus, if you're a Christian, you know, whatever inspires, excuse me, whatever inspires your heart. Um, I had a beautiful picture I just sent to a friend. He practices bhakti, but he's also a very devout Christian. And I had this, I have this beautiful picture of um, it was carved by a, a Christian man in wood, very, very big, maybe four feet tall. But it's a picture of Jesus. It's, it's a carving, a sculpture, Jesus on the cross, but he's reaching down and embracing this sort of every man or every woman figure. So you've got Jesus and, in the, and they, like ourselves, right? In this embrace of Jesus. So, you know, whatever inspires you should go on your altar. Um, and then to make your home, this is number five now, to make your home a sacred space um, in, with these practices. And, and don't allow um, influences that, that really bring you down. Make your home a sacred space. Um, this is the, the number five. Um, and and that, having that alone time in the morning, I, I can't emphasize that enough. I know whenever I get to bed too late, which sometimes happens, you know, it just affects my next day. So having that alone time, sacred time for a growing wisdom, growing discernment, um, melting the stone heart with those drops of, of water, those watering those seeds of bhakti, so important. Um, and, and, you know, hearing from those who are more wise than I am, you know, so important. Yeah, I, I, I think the... the the fem the female and the feminine part of this this conversation that is you know like a salve i think to a lot of people who have had wounds from religion and not living up to these standards is is the idea of the 
of the grace and the um, the slowness we can take with the cultivation of these practices. And like, I love the metaphor of the garden and the weeds because, you know, what are the weeds? Is it that late night show that keeps you up late so you don't do your practices? Is it your phone flipping through Instagram? You know, like, what is it that is the weed in your life that might be um, keeping you from doing the things that your heart is calling you to do? And and that there's no judgment and there's no shame in that. There's no, there shouldn't be no guilt in, in that. Uh, you just simply say, oh, I see that. And uh, let me just redirect. And tomorrow I will start, you know, chanting again. I'll start watering these seeds again. And, and you're, that's you're, you're reminding me of the um, Beatles song. You know, I'm thinking of the image. Why are people all over the world attracted to Mother Mary? You know, in churches all over the world, they're attracted to Mother Mary and that Beatles song, let it be. Just let it be. You know, I try. Um, I, I offer you this day. This, this day, you know, um, this is the day the, the Lord hath made, right? And I always say to my husband in the evening, because he's quite a workaholic, and I always say to him, this is the day the Lord hath made, and this is the day the Lord hath ended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, so just let it be, you know, let it be. I'm going to try. I'm not going to beat myself up over over all the mistakes I made. And that's um, that's the grace of the sacred feminine. I think it's very, very beautiful. That grace, again, I mentioned last time, bhakti is a descending process. There are other spiritual practices that are ascending practices that I have to perfect that, that pose or have to perfect that um, Sanskrit uh, chanting or whatever it is. Bhakti is a descending process, like grace flows down. So let's enter into that flow of grace and be bathed, be, be washed of, of all the um, inequities, of all the obstacles on the path. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think too, you know, the one thing that is so nice about this path is the, is that it can change over time. And I'm just curious to hear, you know, has your, has your experience of this practice changed over the years, and is that pretty common for people on this path? Yeah, I think I think it's natural. I think we see our heart opening in certain ways. Um, you know, I long for discernment. I long for wisdom, and I, I would say that I'm less judgmental than than I was in earlier days, and I'm trying to honor wherever someone is along the path, um, and that's fine. And, um, you know, to try to catch people doing it right, you know, try to catch your kids doing it right. So often we're, oh, what's this C on the report card? Or, you know, no, catch, you know, oh, three A's. Oh, my goodness. You know, so catch, catch ourselves doing it right. Like, wow, I just chanted one mantra that I actually heard in my heart. Wow. You know, even though. Every other one, my mind has been flying all around the universe, worrying about this and that and the other thing, and how I'm going to do this and how I'm going to do that. But if I can just catch catch one holy mantra in my mind and heart, you know, then then that's uh, you know, it's actually like a when I chant one mantra, it's like offering a little flower. So um, these beads, these Tulsi beads, 
are actually shaped like these little mogra flowers. Have you ever seen a, a jasmine? Well, jasmine in, in India is called mogra. So those little jasmine flowers, before they pop open, they kind of look like these little beads. So when I chant a mantra, I'm thinking, yes, I'm offering this flower. And now I focus on the next one. I'm not going to worry about the last one. I'm not going to worry about what comes next in, uh, in this chanting or in my day. I'm just going to try to offer this one little flower. And again, this next little flower. Um, you know, I wanted to share, because you've got some mommies out there, I wanted to share a really beautiful story that, that I heard from, um, I think, a very realized mommy, mama. And she, um, I, I love this story. She was chanting on her beads, and, and she, she, had a, she had a baby, and she found that it was, it was a really good time when she was um, breastfeeding her baby that she could sit and, and chant some, some rounds. We call it rounds, going around on, on each beat. So she could chant while she was breastfeeding her daughter um, every day with such concentration. It was such a sacred time um, between herself and her daughter and, and between herself and that sacred mantra. And uh, she used to do that every day. And then once when her daughter was started walking, um, her daughter was, was running around furiously looking for her mother's, what we call japa beads, these beads. And her, the mom, she couldn't understand why is she looking, why is she running all over the house looking for my beads? And then the little girl found her, her mama's beads and she grabbed the beads and she jumped in her mother's lap she, you know, she wanted to breastfeed. She wanted that snuggling and she wanted that comfort of breastfeeding with her mom. But she didn't think she could do it without those beads because her mother was, was so accustomed to chanting with the beads whenever she would breastfeed. So those two came together. So isn't that a beautiful, sacred impression? Like, again, that word sunscar, that sacred groove that's there in the heart of this little child she can carry with her and share with her own you know children oh, so I love that story. isn't that I, beautiful it's so beautiful and yeah you just <laughs> never know how these things are going to you know affect and and inscribe themselves and yeah it reminds me of um just a little story from my own mother and experience. I have a, a three-year-old and a six-year-old and, you know, I, I like to wake up early when it's quiet and the girls are not, you know, and I can set up the altar and do my japa in very quiet, dark settings. And so for a while, when my kids would wake up, um, you know, I would put on a little gentle movie for them so that I could sit quietly. But then, you know, one day I decided, you know what, I'm just going to take I'm going to take my, it was, I think she was two at the time in with me. And so I was just holding her and doing my rounds and rocking. And it was like, I was like, this is way better. Like my mantra, like my japa was better. And my daughter was much happier because she was with mama and she was getting this. And so then the next morning, you know, she came down it, quietly. She didn't scream for me. So I had to go upstairs. She actually just walked down on her own, found me in the altar room and sat in my lap and was just like, you know, okay, this is what we're going to do now. And so that, you know, for a while that became, you know, a little, a little ritual we had and oh, beautiful. It's, yeah, it's, it's just amazing how, when you as a mother put those things first, how your, your children, they really honor and value that. And they begin to see the, the, um, the, the beauty and the sanctuary that that creates in the home. 
Yeah, it's beautiful. You're sending off, you know, what you're doing is teaching them to meditate, teaching them to pray, teaching them to gratitude and to, and to say thank you. Um, you know, you're creating little angels and sending them off into the future as emissaries to the future. So these are, you know, these are our gifts to the future when we can raise children like that. Um, as opposed to thinking, oh, this child's a big distraction. And, and that's what I did. <laughs> that's what I was doing at the beginning. I was just like, you know, what, what can I do to keep them entertained? But, you know, I had to really dig in and say, okay, <laughs> is there's, there's another option here. There is a more gentle, loving, re, re, you know, uh, way to be in this moment. And it took, you know, I had to dig in, but you know, once I did it, I was like, wow, this is actually a lot easier. So it's, it's funny how we can talk ourselves out of sometimes the easiest solutions. Yes, that's beautiful. And those are the impressions that you carry with you. Those are the impressions you have of your grandmother. Mm -hmm. And that so many people have of those, those sacred influences in their lives, you know, those little moments when they, you know, they reality parts and, and we have those little moments of grace so wonderful thank you so much now are there any maybe any other stories that you could share with us um you know i i think i learned i learned so much through story and i'm sure our listeners do too so any other stories you'd like to share regarding daily practices or influences of bhakti on people and their spiritual paths yeah, I'll share a couple things. One little story, it seems really quaint, but um, my guru Prabhupada mentions it in one of his Bhagavad Gita purports or commentaries. But it's this little quaint story of, a, of a, a mother bird. She was a little sparrow and she laid her eggs on the, on the bank of the, on the, on the sand of the uh, beach. And then the big ocean came and washed. This is what I've been thinking about since the beginning of the year, actually. Just, um, yeah. So the big ocean came and washed her eggs away. And she went to the ocean and she said, give me back my eggs. And the ocean just ignored her. You know, she was so tiny and he was so great. And, and then she just, you know, she just started, she was so determined and, and loving as a, as a mama. She just take, started taking these little beakfuls of water. And she's told the ocean, I'm going to empty you of all your water. And she started taking little beakfuls of water out of the ocean, and one by one by one, with such determination and such, uh, you know, such dedication. And then what happened was, Lord Vishnu's big bird carrier, gigantic um, heavenly eagle form called Garuda. He saw the determination of his little sister bird, my Prabhupada says. He saw this determination in his little sister bird. And so then he went to the ocean. He said, if you don't give her back her eggs, I, Garuda, am going to empty you out. And so then the ocean got scared and and gave her back her eggs. So I've been thinking about this quite a lot that, you know, since New Year's Day, thinking of New Year's resolutions, and, you know, that can get so superficial. But I was thinking, you know, my tiny little drops, my tiny little beakfuls of whatever I can offer each day, you know, one little mantra or one little intention or, or one little expression of gratitude or one little offering of of you know rice and beans or whatever I can do, my little beakfuls of offerings each day um, are sacred, like that little sparrow bird. So 
That's one thing I've been thinking about quite a lot. You can share that with your kids. I will. And, um, <laughs> and then the other thing I, I just want to share in closing that I think is really, really beautiful. This is an, uh, a daily meditation that you can say to the Lord. And again, divinity, however you love and see divinity. But um, it's a meditation you can say when you're closing your eyes at night or in the morning or when you walk by your sacred altar or any time, but um, it goes like this. And you can change the names as you like, but and maybe you'll be able to share this in the, somehow in the chat or whatever. It goes like this. My dear Lord Krishna, my dear Srimati Radharani, although I've forgotten you for so many long years in this material world, from today, I'm going to begin again. I'm, from today, I'm remembering you. My dear Lord, from this day, I am yours. So this is such a beautiful little prayer. And it's actually said in, in holy, in the wisdom books, that, that um, Krishna says that anyone who says this prayer to him sincerely, that he will award that person courage on the, on the spiritual path, on the path of bhakti. So I think that's really really powerful, um, a, a powerful intention to share. And, and perhaps you'd like to also take up that little intention. You know? Even though yesterday or five minutes ago, I messed up. But from, from this moment, I am yours. Mm, that is so beautiful. And yeah, I mean, I think um, it's just, it's, it's so nice to feel like, yeah, I can, I can start over at any moment and I can do, you know, I can offer my little beakful as I can. And <laughs> I, I hope that today's talk really gave people, yeah, just, you know, more little nuggets, gold nuggets of information and nectar and ideas for practices and ways of engaging in this that are accessible, that aren't overwhelming. Um, and this might be a good talk to listen to maybe a few times, maybe you bookmark it and listen to it throughout the year so that you might be ready to adopt, you know, another practice, um, you know, a few months from now or add another few rounds of your mantra <laughs> chanting a few months from now. Uh, because like Rukmini, you said at the very beginning of this talk, um, it's, you know, it's adding in those drops, it's adding in, you know, starting your day with those little doses of this devotion that can make such a difference over time. So I thank you so much once again for joining today and for offering such wisdom and grace and st your stories are just uh, so good. <laughs> so um, I will be sharing them very, very generously with my children and beyond. And I'm happy to post everything that you shared um, in the description. So for those of you who are listening, just look in the description for some of the mantras and, and prayers that we've spoken about. So thank you, Rukmini. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for this very precious conversation. Thank you, Ashley. My pleasure. What a joy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mm -hmm.